So we went to the movie theater for the first time in 17 months, and I really want to know, why are movie theater chains showing ads that ask people to come back to the theater while they're literally sitting in a theater waiting for a movie to start? Hello, and welcome to Podcast Phone, the service that lets you know about great and wonderful new podcasts. Are you listening for a new podcast? Are you wanting to listen to a new podcast? Well, I've got great news for you. There's a wonderful podcast. It's called Monkey Off My Backlog. So please go and download it and listen. Or you can just do the thing and wait just a second and you'll be listening to it anyway because you have to. Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do list one week at a time. I'm your host, the lawful good character on this podcast, Sam Morris. Pause for hello. And with me is my co-host, Tessa Suela. Don't pause for hello. And making his triumphant return is our other co-host, the man who... Let me check my notes. Andy! Hello, that's right, it's me, the Inspector of Interruptions, the Corporal of Chaos, the wonderful, the only, the Andy. In this episode, I find out what happens when you mix a first-person shooter with binary choices and hours of television. Tessa listens to some records, and Andy tells us what he's been up to so far this summer. Before we get started though, Andy, you've been gone for a while, and we haven't done one of my most favorite podcast within a podcast while you've been gone. So it's been months. So I think it's time for an episode of Has Tessa Seen Lost Yet? On this episode of Has Tessa Seen Lost Yet? Yes. Yes, I have. Happy birthday, Andy. I got you Tessa watching Lost. Yes! How far into Lost has she seen? All right. So, Tessa, why don't you talk a little bit about how much you've seen? And, and, and I know most people listening have never heard of this show, Lost, so maybe you want to say a couple of words about that as well. It's such an obscure show. Like, I don't know if anyone has actually heard of it outside the three people on this podcast. Oh, wait, are you talking about the 2001 reality show where they abandoned people in the Mongolian desert and told them to figure out where they were? Yeah, no, I am not, ta- I am not talking about that show. I am talking about the ABC drama, for lack of a better word, that aired from 2004 to 2010, six seasons, although I've only seen and will only be discussing season one, so please no spoilers for me. But yeah, I watched the first season of Lost, and I have thoughts about it. We, should we talk about this now or can we make this the teaser for the next episode no 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 this is this is it the notes are a lie oh okay i i did that for you this was all a giant fake out i appreciate it continue before before you get into some more details about the series i just want to get this out of the way on a scale of one one being i was wrong and 10 being i was so wrong i'll never doubt you again where would you put waiting so long to watch this show on there about an eight I don't, I'm not going to say that in all situations, I'm going to, you know, say like, oh, I will never doubt you again. 
And it's not that I like doubted you really about Lost. I mean, I was sure it was a good show before I started watching it. I just, I put off watching Lost for so long, mainly because so many people talked about how it was one of the greatest shows on television. It's kind of like Breaking Bad or The Sopranos for me. It's like, the more you go on about it, the less I actually want to watch it. Because one, I don't know if it'll actually live up to the hype. And two, it's sort of that contrarian like fandom. Like if you're going to be if you're going to be just ridiculous about your fandom for a particular property, I just don't want to watch it. So that that was the thing with Lost for a long time. Sam would tell me to watch Lost and I would just put it off for like another year. Uh Lost is just fine. Uh it, it it's 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 no it's no breaking bad. So uh anyway. Well, no, I'm just saying like comparing to like those are the other shows that I had these same feelings about is that like people would be just like an insufferable that was the word I was looking for they'd be insufferable with their fandom and that would make me delay it another year the other thing about Lost is that there are six seasons of it and at this point it's just like that's just so much television like I didn't get in on the ground floor that's just a lot it's a lot and of course it was it was network television so it's like you know, almost a full hour show. It's 45 minutes to an hour. Question, Tessa. How many episodes of The Good Wife and The Good Fight did you watch in the same time period? A lot. And how long is that show? Let's see. The Good Wife has seven seasons. I've seen five of them. And The Good Fight has... Five now. Four seasons. They just started their fifth season, and I've seen four of them. Uh-huh. And uh, that, is, that show is a... um. Would you say it's an hour-long network television show? Yeah, but The Good Fight got me in on the ground floor, you see. Lost, I didn't get in on the ground floor. In fact, I didn't even consider watching it until the last episode had already come out. And there's a huge fandom around Lost, and that's not me disparaging the fandom. It's just huge. I mean... I really don't think there is, but... No, there is. Like, the Lost recaps are legendary. Like, people talk about it all the time. They rewatch it. I... Don't know that I've somehow managed to stay mostly spoiler free from the show all this time. Although I would see like previews of the show occasionally, you know, in my in my youth when it was still on. And I know the big ending, like I understand how Lost ended. So that's not really like a spoiler for me. But it is something that I've been surrounded by a lot of, even though I have managed to pretty much stay unspoiled. So I think that, you know, after the show was over, I don't know that a fandom really exists today. I think it was kind of Jurassic Park style frozen in amber at the end. During the show's run, there was a definite huge fandom. But I think Oh, I, I remember. I I I was watching it, but yeah, there there's no fandom now. Yeah, I think a lot of people walked away from it and it, which makes it really interesting because it's a it's it's got a very dense mythology. I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about what it means to have watched Lost, and it makes it intimidate for, for somebody to start. I think that's the, the big thing here. And, you know, I don't think Breaking Bad is a better show than Lost. I think it has a better ending, but that's only because Breaking Bad probably has, in my mind, the best ending of a show that's run for multiple seasons. Uh, you know, I have a lot of complaints about the show, but it ended well. But overall, I don't think it's a better show. But that's definitely a point of contention with lots of people. Right. I I think that the ending of Lost is good, but we're not talking about our feelings on the ending of Lost. 
We're talking about Tessa's feelings on the characters, the world building, the polar bears of Lost. Right. And I think this is fascinating because you heard her say that she thought she knew what the show was. And was it what you expected? My expectations were... I don't I actually don't completely know what my expectations were. I thought it was more of a survival show, I think, than it ended up being. Like the the main premise of Lost is that this plane with a bunch of passengers crashes on what appears to be an abandoned jungle island and they have to survive on this island. That's that is the at, at its most basic that is the premise of the first season anyway. And I guess I thought it was going to be more of like a like actiony like survival kind of show. I mean, I knew about the polar bears. I knew that there was like the mystery of the island, but I wasn't really expecting the way that they played with genre and the way they played with episode structure and some of the other things that come into this particular show. The show was created by Jeffrey Lieber, JJ Abrams, our friend. J.J. Abrams, Sam is shaking his head, and Damon Lindelof. So you should know pretty much all of those names. Lost is maybe not the urtext of the X-Files, but it definitely has given us a lot of screenwriting and producer talent. Whether or not you like J.J. Abrams, whether or not you like Damon Lindelof or Jeffrey Lieber, those are some pretty big hitters in terms of creativity in the TV, television industry, in Hollywood, etc. So, so like Tessa, one of the things about Lost in general is that Lost makes its own kind of genre. Uh, it was one of the one of the big network televisions that mixed everything up and got people talking, and it was it was originally one of the um, I I I think it it started the the water cooler conversation again. A lot of I remember in high school my teachers talking about it, and I kind of talked about it with them. Uh, I remember the wonderful introductions for me as someone who like learns like the the tragedy of a of a slightly more in depth character with Charlie and 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 just many interesting characters. I remember the the twist with. With Ethan in the first season, I remember a, a lot of things. Uh, it's it's such a wonderfully weird show, and it does that because of the the flashback uh, balance of telling you who the people were before they came to the island. Yeah, so for those of you who are unfamiliar perhaps with Lost or who haven't seen Lost because you were so resistant to it like I was, or perhaps you lived in a hatch in the ground for, for the last 20 years... The way that the episodes are structured is that each episode really follows a story on the island. It's kind of like Arrowverse, right? It has the A storyline of what's happening on the island, and then the B storyline is the flashback for a specific character. It's so, almost like they got that. From. It's almost mm. like the Arrow, the, the show Arrow was was like trying to imitate to Lost. Oh. It's almost like that. But yeah, like like Andy mentioned, this show has a large ensemble cast. I mean, I can't even. I, I'm just going to read some of the names from the first season. I know there are more people that come in later, but Naveen Andrews, Emily DeRaven, who I love, Matthew Fox, Jorge Garcia, Maggie Grace, Josh Holloway, Malcolm David Kelly, Daniel Day Kim, uh, Eugene Kim. 
Evangeline Lilly, Dominic Monaghan, uh, Terry O'Quinn, Harold Perrineau, uh, Ian Somerhalder. There's just a ton of people that you probably know from other television shows. Um, huge, huge ense- ensemble cast. And what I think is so interesting is the way in which the first season, at least, is so invested in the characters. That was the other thing that I didn't really know about this series, is that it is such a... It's going to be weird. It, I, I feel like this is going to be a weird thing to say, but it's kind of a heartwarming series in some ways. Like, it's definitely invested in the characters and the characters' relationships with each other. And a big theme of the first season isn't just, like, how do we survive on this island, but it's also, like, how do we get catharsis on this island from, like, things that have happened in our past? How does this put those things into perspective? And how do these new relationships help us develop as people. So you mentioned Charlie, who's played by Dominic Monaghan. There's a few uh, episodes that are focused on him and his drug addiction. There's episodes about Evangeline Lilly. What did Kate do? I still don't know. I'm at this point, I'm convinced that she's like a black widow like type character. You know, the main character. She's more of a wasp than a black widow. In the, the sense that there is a main character, which there really isn't in the show, but in the sense that there is the character of Jack, who is kind of a reluctant messianic character. And names are important in Lost. If you've watched Lost, you know this. His full name is Jack Shepard, which is like a really big deal. There's a character by the name of John Locke. And so there's a lot of these like philosophical ideas and like, like Sam said, like really dense mythology that I don't really want to get into here because unraveling it slowly is half the fun. But it, it is so interesting to me how character focused this is while still maintaining a sense of tension and a sense of mystery and a sense of like, there's other things going on beyond the scenes. So really quickly, you know, the, the, thing that I think is fascinating about Lost is, you know, J.J. Abrams had done Felicity. I think Alias was up and running at this point. So he was established as a pretty good TV guy. Carlton Cuse, who they brought on very, very quickly, is a is a grinder in terms of TV show running. Like he's he runs shows. He just makes the work happen. He has done several shows, but he's also done a little known show called The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. with uh, Bruce Campbell. But Matthew Fox, who plays Jack Shepard, is one of the most well-known people in the cast because he played one of the main roles in Party of Five. Um, Dominic Monaghan, of course, is a hobbit. Most of the others are relatively unknown at this point. You know, Evangeline Lilly goes on to play uh, the Wasp. Daniel Day Kim is huge now from the show and from Hawaii Five-0. Emily DeRavin goes on to uh, Once Upon a Time. And, of course, uh, Vampire Diaries friend, Ian Summerholder. So, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on there. And if you want to get into the mythology, while you're watching the show, uh, find Jeff Jensen's EW recaps. Jeff Jensen went on to write Tomorrowland, which Damon Lindelof directed. It was on the back of his recaps for the show that Damon Lindelof show ran that Damon Lindelof hired him to write a movie. That's that's what lo- that's the effect of Lost. But anyway, favorite characters. Top uh, three. Brad Bird directed that Tomorrowland. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, sorry. I just like I know this because I was looking forward to Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland was something I wanted to see, and it disappointed me. 
And it was a great movie, and I enjoyed it, and I've seen it multiple times. We'll, we'll, we'll disagree here. Anyway, continue. Top three favorite characters, Tessa. Well, Kate, obviously. Kate is a really great character. I really want to know what she did, but basically, for those of you who want more of a taste of, of the show, she is a character who was a prisoner on the plane who is being transported from, because it's a flight from Australia to LA, and she's being transported, extradited from Australia back to the US to stand trial. She was caught by a marshal. And of course, the plane crashes, and so she's sort of hiding the fact that she was a convict uh, from the rest of the crew, or from the rest of the people on the plane, and so there's a lot there. Again, we keep seeing flashbacks from her, but we don't know exactly what she did, so that is part of the part of the thing. Um, oh my god, why can't I remember his name? Is it Art? Not Art, not Art, although Art has one of the most hilarious arcs <laughs> of the entire season, but Hurley. Hurley is everybody's best friend. I love Hurley. Um, Hurley is the gentle giant of the group. You get a little bit of his backstory later in the season, and it is hilarious. I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as I did during that episode, but he is the guy who just goes around. He's so gentle. Everyone gets along with him, even people who don't generally get along with people like Sawyer, <clears throat> who's kind of a a-hole anyway and he's just great he has some of the best lines he creates a golf course for them at one point because he's like it can't just be about survival like we have to do fun things too and there is actually a moment in the show later on and i don't want to spoil it for anybody so i won't say exactly what happens but there is a moment during his episode later in the season that has one of the most cathartic moments on television that I have ever seen involving him. And I cried like it was just such a like moving piece because he's such a ridiculous character and he's just kind of there for comedic relief and to like be there. But his episode legit made me cry because it was just so like heartwarmingly like uh, I can't even describe it. I You would have to watch it. Let's see. Who's my third favorite character? Is it? Is it Boone? No. Shannon. Uh, Shannon is, is actually kind of a great character, but she's definitely not one of my favorites. Uh, Vincent. Yeah, actually, Vincent the dog is my third favorite character. I can't believe he survived that plane crash. It makes me laugh. Uh, no. I also really love... The survival of a dog makes you laugh and not relieved? <laughs> no, no. He makes me laugh. He makes me laugh because he just keeps showing up. Like, he's just, like, rant running around this island, and, like, half the time he's with his, like, owner, and half the time he's just, like, around. It's just very funny. Hold on. I, 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 have, I have one other character that I, I, think, I think you probably love a lot, and I think that character is Sun. I do love Sun. Sun is great. I wasn't really sure what they were going to do with Daniel Day Kim and Eugene Kim's characters at the beginning of the show. But I really do love Sun. I feel like she's very compelling. She has a really interesting arc. Yeah, their relationship is just really interesting to me, because especially because like they don't speak English and like people have a hard time communicating with them. Um, Daniel Day Kim's character is such a jerk at the beginning. But like even he, you start to realize that he has like other motivations for being there. Yeah, I think that this is just a very character-forward thing, and that's not the entirety of the show, but it is definitely at the heart of the show. Andy, really quick, who who are your top three OG season one characters? OG season one characters. Well, number one, Art. <laughs> I think Art is is wonderful. Uh, Rose as well. 
No, uh, so my favorite characters are probably one. I I really like Russo. Russo Russo is awesome. I I really really loved Locke. It's it's so hard because I've seen the first two seasons so much that they that they uh run together because uh what what what's her name? Fast and Furious isn't in there yet, right? She cameos in the finale, but other than that, there are no other non OGs. I, I really think I really think Charlie. I, I think I think Charlie uh Charlie and Saeed, um the their their characters really, really just 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 wonderful. Um so my my three favorite characters from Lost, only one of them is one of the OGs, and that's of course Hurley. Hurley is without a doubt the best character on the show, period. The first time I watched the show, I really also liked Saeed and and Jack. Just because like it's easy to see the show through his lens for me, which was kind of the point. Okay, enough about characters. This has like 17 different genres going on. Want to talk about that? Yeah, so I kind of described it as a drama at the beginning, mainly because I feel like the word drama emphasizes the interpersonal relationships of the characters, which, like I said, is at the heart of the show. But this show isn't just about people surviving on an island. It's a science fiction show. It's got horror. It's got survival drama. You know, a good part of the first chunk of the season is about like, hey, where do we find clean water? Hey, where do we find shelter? Should we stay on the beach? Should we go into, the, you know, these caves that we found? What is this signal that's happening, you know, in the on the island? So there's a lot of that. There is also a lot of mystery. Like we mentioned in the very first episode, they find and kill a polar bear on a tropical island. There is a monster that, you know is stalking the island and who kills a couple of people there are perhaps other people on the island uh you know there's all of this sort of mystery and horror going on as well the other thing that i was really impressed with is the way in which episodes would shift genres like there would be an episode that was very like survival family drama style episode and then it would be followed by an episode like the one that focuses on claire who's played by emily uh d ravine that almost reminded me of a Rosemary's Baby type horror episode. Uh, Claire is pregnant, and there's a lot of drama around like her pregnancy in this particular series as well. And so, in her flashback, she's like being told, "You know, your your child has to be raised by you, or they'll turn out evil." You know, like it's very, very like, is she giving birth to the Antichrist? Like what? Like what is happening with this child? And then that will be followed by an episode with Charlie dealing with drug addiction. So it it kind of shifts these genres, not just in the way that the island is presented and the struggles that they have on the island, but it also shifts genres between episodes. Like some of them lean a little harder into horror. Some of them lean a little harder into more of like a con man spy thriller when it comes to Kate. Some of them lean a little harder into like survival and family drama. And I just think that that is so interesting. It gives them so much flexibility in the stories that they want to tell. But it also means like, we get to ask these questions about the characters that we probably wouldn't have if the question if the show stuck to a more conventional format. All right. So, closing thoughts, Tessa. Recommend this to everybody else thinking about watching season 2. I think about watching season 2 pretty much every day and as soon as we're done with this season of the original series, I'll probably get back to it. I think about series of what? Of Star Trek, sorry. The original series of Star Trek. I will probably get back to it. I really want to know what's in the hatch. Anyway. 
watch this show. If anything I've said appealed to you, watch it. Don't be like me. Don't put it off forever. I've really, really been enjoying this show. And I think that there's something here for everybody. And I, for one, would like to publicly take this opportunity on Monkey Off My Backlog to thank Tessa for putting up with me and my insistence that she watch this and the and the experience of watching it with me where I'm looking at her like, this is going to be great. It's going to be so good. You're going to love it. And she hasn't killed me yet. This has been an episode of Has Tessa Seen Lost Yet? So, Andy, speaking of mystery and mischief, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what did you do while you were out on your, on your leave, your generous leave? Yes, my, my, my generous leave, and I'm still waiting on the, 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 the pay for that. I, I, I played a video game. I, I played a video game in a long-running series of, of video games, and um, I, I want, because I know both of you, have some form of experience with with this uh, genre of game or this uh, this franchise, and uh, I want you to to guess if you can what franchise this is based on my description of the opening, which by the way is actually an accurate description of the opening and is not like one of these like oh you know uh, what. I'm going to be kind of vague about it and reference something else. Like, no, no, th- this is, this is exactly what happens in the opening, which is begins with four dudes driving in a car. These dudes each look like they have uh, gotten dressed via running through a separate section of hot topic with their eyes closed um, and just putting on whatever they could, but they're all, Four four men about uh I, I would say like about you know early twenties late teens they are driving a convertible down the road the convertible breaks down and they're in the middle of the desert and you can see you know kind of like a, a a diner off off ahead the first thing you have to do is take the main character and with the other two of the other characters is push the car. For, for about five minutes, and as you're pushing the car, they start bickering about whose fault it is, and the car keeps getting pushed, and then you hear, stand by me. So you're, you're hearing stand by me as these four friends are, are bickering and kind of laughing, you know, having wonderful dialogue over like, okay, I'm tired, we should stop, we should stop. What franchise do you think? would start a game with four characters pushing a car to the lyrics uh, or to the original version of Stand By Me. I, I'm pretty sure I know what this is, but I'm not going to say it. I do have another answer, though. But Tessa, do you have anything? No, you Okay. So this is Mass Effect Andromeda. I don't think that anybody has actually played this game because nobody seems to know what it's about. So I think that's what it is. Is this a Grand Theft Auto game? No. no. Um, it's, it's Final Fantasy, right? Yeah, it's Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> no other game in the series even starts out remotely like this. Uh, it, this actually feels like, like, like you're actually in like the desert and 
Like, like you're actually in Arizona. Like, like, like it's, it's bizarre. When did this game come out? This game came out in 2016. Is this the most recent one? Yes, yes. Final Fantasy uh, 16 has not come out yet. This game was uh, in development for a very long time. It is the only mainline Final Fantasy, uh, unless you count 14, but 14 is an MMO and no one counts 14. The only one that came out on this generation of consoles. So, so it's the only next-gen Final Fantasy. So why did it take so long for you to play it? Since you're such a Final Fantasy aficionado. Yes. Uh, well, one of the things that took me so long to play it is uh, it was kind of kept being referred to as, uh, oh, this game is, is incomplete. This game was not finished, and they actually had to go back and add more cut content to kind of make the story make any sense. And, and I, I will tell you right now, um, even with this new version, uh, which I played Final Fantasy 15 Royal Edition. Even with that, the game feels, the story feels very incomplete. So it's Cyberpunk 2077, is what you're telling me. Uh, it 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 is it is kind of uh kind of like that. Except, you see, if you really want to understand the story of Final Fantasy 15, what you can do is watch the the movie that they that they released of Final Fantasy 15 called Final Fantasy 15 Kingsglaive. And this was an animated Final Fantasy movie, and people know the record of Final Fantasy movies being animated and uh, and and not being good. Uh, Final Fantasy Spirits Within was a legendary bomb and cost cost so much money. Um, but it's a movie that takes place during the first like the first ten minutes of the video game. So it's a it's supposed to be the movie that gives you the entire background of what's happening with all these characters that don't show up in the, the game. Like, Oh, it makes uh, sense to me. Also the, the, the voice cast of Kingsglaive is like Aaron Paul and Lena Hetty and uh, Sean Bean. And just like, wow, they, they got some A-list people to, to voice this. And uh, it gives you all the background. And if you don't watch that movie, you have almost nothing to do. There's even like a clip show of the movie in the beginning of the game. And, and, and it's like not a clip show that like, oh, you know, covers the, the beats of the story. It's a clip show that, that'd be like, oh, yeah, if you watch the movie, this will be a jogger of, of what happened and all the action. And, and it's, 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 it's insane. Final Fantasy 15 is a story about the prince of a country. The prince is named Noctis and his four friends and... So, uh, which features Gladio, who is a king's guard and his loyal best friend. You have Ignis, who is his uh, kind of butler and an other best friend. And then you have Prompto, who is like the peasant boy that somehow fit in and got in cool with this crowd. And uh, their their journey, their entire goal is literally just to go and get Noctis married. That That is how it starts. Like to somebody uh, his specific? wife is waiting. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. His uh, his future wife is waiting on the other side of the world for him uh, to 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 get married, and this will join their countries together against uh, against the third evil country named the Empire. This is supposed to be just a road trip, and as you can guess, things don't go according to plan like the car breaking down and 
the evil emperor actually invading the country. In in the moments between Noctis leaves his his dad, who is the king, leaves and starts heading out on this, the evil empire, the the Germany, the whatever, invades and takes over uh the country in a matter of minutes. Um and his father is dead and now Noctis needs to go and find the magical powers to help him to help him overthrow the empire because he is the the king and there's this whole chosen one storyline and that that's the thing what i'm sounding it sounds like it's all scatter scatter plot and that i'm like skipping things but no this is like how the game actually tells you this story so how was the gameplay uh well you played kingdom hearts yes <laughs> and it's a very very weird mix of a active time battle the the director of this game is also the director of kingdom hearts and in many ways this game feels like a prototype for a new kingdom hearts uh with mixing rpg battling with the the turn-based uh, standard J- japanese with also moving around and and real-time action and pressing x to swing your sword uh, except for what they what they do is they like have you hold X to do a combo. It, it's 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 a a weird mix. It works uh, until it doesn't. It, it, it's a very weird. And attempt. does Goofy and Donald show up at any point to help this prince against the evil empire? No, no. Un- unfortunately, nothing like that happens. But a a a fun little thing here is Final Fantasy fifteen was originally a completely separate game. Uh, that was announced in 2006 called Final Fantasy Versus 13. Yes. Um, so a spinoff. No, no, no. It it was not a spinoff of 13. That's, I, I don't know where you would get that idea, Tessa. I don't know why you would ever think that. It's Final Fantasy Versus 13. Okay? I don't know why you would think it would anything to do with Final Fantasy 13 at all, which was a completely separate game that had no connection and this was like, by all reports, this this versus thirteen was like the the brainchild of of the director of Kingdom Hearts, the creator of Kingdom Hearts. And this is why Kingdom Hearts three took so long to come out. Is Final Fantasy fifteen took so long to come out? But it's it's so much so the main character of versus thirteen Noctis was a very different character uh, from his personality wise from the trailers we could gang. And a secret boss in Kingdom Hearts three is this version of Noctis. Which is really interesting. Uh, he say he keeps saying things like "They stole my name, they stole everything from me." As you're fighting him in Kingdom Hearts three, so so it it's a little bit of a like like like, like you don't have any context for this character in Kingdom Hearts three. He's just a secret little fight. Do you have context for any character in Kingdom Hearts? Uh, yes, I do because I've played all of them and I love them all. Um, but and and no one who's listening to this has context for this game. It's a very weird game. The The original version of the game literally is broken up into chapters. And the original version of the final chapter is just a boss rush. And the Royal Edition actually makes the final chapter an entire thing. So it builds up story instead of just, oh, uh, let's go to the bad guy's lair <laughs> and then fight 20 bosses. <laughs> it's actually, oh, the bad guy's lair is here and we're going to have the entire the entire area of the bad guy's layer be playable it's it's weird it's a weird game 
I, I am weird because I have no way to describe what this game did to me. I recommend watching a YouTube video, even if you have no interest, by a uh, YouTuber named Super Eyepatch Wolf about Final Fantasy XV and why it was a mediocre disappointment. And uh, he he does a wonderful job describing the development woes, the the problems, the issues. Um, yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy XV was weird. Do you recommend that anyone play it? No, 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 no. Unless, of course, you are a completionist like Sam, who will one day have to play Final Fantasy XV if he ever wants to play Final Fantasy XVI. Slow down. I haven't finished Final Fantasy VII yet. <laughs> I know. Oh, jeez. Oh. Sam, hold on, Sam. Between Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy XV, you have these games to play. Final Fantasy VIII. Final Fantasy IX. Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X-2. Final Fantasy XII. You'll notice I didn't say Final Fantasy XI because that's an MMO and we don't talk about that. Final Fantasy XIII. Final Fantasy XIII 2, Final Fantasy XIII 3, then Final Fantasy XV. It's a lot of games. Oh, and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Right. But that's not what I played this week. What did you play this week, Sam? Over the last month, I have been very slowly making my way through the 2016 game Quantum Break, which is the in-universe quasi-sequel to Alan Wake. Made by Remedy, published by Microsoft. It is a uh, interactive storytelling transmedia live-action television show, first-person shooter thing. All right, and this stars the dude from Quantum Leap, right? Uh, it, as a matter of fact, it does not. It stars Sean Ashmore, who you might know as Iceman, uh, Aiden Gillen, who you might know as Littlefinger, and Lance Reddick. Which, if you don't know who Lance Reddick is. I assure you, you do. Um, Of course, maybe for me, most prominently from Fringe. First of all, people know Gillen from playing Karketi in The Wire and not from his amazing performance as Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. Okay. Anyway, I just just wanted to get that out there. Uh, More people probably know him as Karketi from The Wire because everyone's watched The Wire, right? Have you watched The Wire? It's a really good show. (laughs) Tessa. You just made me put it off for another year. The plot of Quantum Break. As I said, it is in the same universe as Alan Wake. Alan Wake is a writer, a person who exists in this universe. What happened to him happened in this universe. I'm pretty certain that it's Alan Wake. So time is broken. And how do we fix it? That is the question of this game. The game is based around three characters, three friends, an inventor. A, a friend who takes advantage of that inventor's technology for seemingly nefarious purposes, and the inventor's brother, who is the playable character throughout the game, modeled after Sean Ashmore. Lance Reddick plays a mysterious corporate executive fixer type. He basically is in cahoots with Ian Gillen's character, so it's a it's a pretty as far as like a core three and then Lance Reddick as kind of the X factor. It's a pretty good narrative. The game is set up as the following: you get your little intro story, but you get dumped in pretty quick. It is a first person shooter for about two, three, or four levels, depending on which of the five acts you're in. 
Uh, mechanics are an evolution of what you got from Alan Wake, so it was very easy to set back into that. Once you get to the end of a set of FPS levels, you get to a junction point. You briefly take control of Aiden Gillen's character and make a binary decision. And based on which of the two decisions you make, you then watch a television episode, like a 22-minute drama television show. It is not a cinematic. It is an actual television show with Ashmore, Gillen, Reddick, uh, and a host of others. And depending on the binary choice you made, there are several scenes within each episode that are different. In- interesting note, though. The television show... Sean Ashmore's character is played by Aaron yeah. Ashmore, his brother. Still no. Still no. Also not true. But would we know the difference? You don't. Uh, it, but but it, it, is, it is actually a fact that uh, his, the character model is, was done by Aaron Ashmore. <laughs> Prove it. Prove me wrong. Prove me I, wrong. I will not. Ask me the next question. So did this weird format of having a... A show, a, a, a TV show in a video game, a game, it's a game. Having a show in a game, did that format work for you? So this is very different. The question, was it successful and did it work for me, are two very different questions. And I will answer them both by saying this, which is the most surprising thing that you and Tessa have ever heard me say in my life. I want to shoot things when I play a video game. I don't want to watch a TV show. You know what I want to do when I want to watch a TV show? That's right. I get sad because my life is so busy and I don't have time to watch a TV show, and so I don't. But the point is, if I could, I'd watch a TV show, not play a video game. It's a really cool oh, idea. Uh, I, the, the most surprising thing still to me that you have ever said, Sam, is that you are the lawful good character on this podcast. Uh, that was, those were your words, not mine. Listen, that was done in irony because you are clearly not the lawful good character uh, of this well, podcast. Well, okay, so would you like to weigh in on this one? No, I'm good. Do you think I'm lawful good? Yet to be determined. You, you are at best. At best, you are neutral good. That, that's, a, that's a compliment. Or, Thank you. Lawful so neutral. here's the thing. But I here's will the say thing. this: people think that because Sam is very contrarian. However, Sam actually needs rules. Sam does not like it when people break rules. Okay, so that's where the lawful hold, hold comes on, from. hold on. Right, right, right. Here's the thing, though: how many games that I have done has Sam taken seriously and answered according to the rules? that I set aside or answered according to the rules that Sam has put up. He makes a good point, Sam. I am the Jack Shepard of this podcast. Here's the thing. I like this game. I really did. Mm -hmm. The two things, though. So there are collectibles because, of course, there are. I've made my peace with collectibles from Vice City onward. It's a necessary evil. I understand. I get it. It is part of the sandbox. Whatever. I'll do it. The problem with Quantum Break is you expect me to read those and they can be thousands of words of text. They combine to create audio snippets that are like minutes in length or video clips and that's on top of the television. So if I did what you wanted me to do, Remedy, 
and watched an episode of television and then carefully read and watched and listened, we're talking about an hour. At least an hour right, between which you did shooting because you're things. lawful, no, right, Sam? I right, no. you, you did. Oh, so you didn't because you're no. not lawful. So I get so case I, closed. I win. <laughs> so I get to the end of the game, and there are two things left to do: go back and redo all the junction points to collect achievements, which I did. Did I go back and watch the new scenes? I did for one episode, but after that, I was like, I don't care this much. I'm not going to do this. I don't. I don't want to do it. I was happy with what I got. The scenes were good, but I ain't watching them. And then one, there's one big loose thread that is not explicitly tied up in the television episodes or in gameplay. So I Googled it. Well, I should have read the notes. You would have found out. I'm like, dude, I collected them. Don't make me read them. It's the same thing with cyberpunk. At least those don't go anywhere, like most of the rest of the game. I actually can't watch Sam play Mass Effect because it hurts me. He, like, skips through all the conversations and all the storytelling. It, it hurts me. Why, why would you care about that? It's, it's Mass Effect. The choices don't matter. Like, literally, that's the thing. The entire marketing thing was all like, oh, the choices matter. And then you find out they don't. They don't matter at all. I'm still angry about Mass Effect 3. I, I haven't finished it, so I don't know. But the thing about these kinds of video games, Tessa's a very different video gamer than me, and I admire her for that. Like, I aspire to... No, I don't aspire to be the video gamer that you are, because I know I could never be. But it's the kind of video gamer who actually enjoys the art, the storytelling choices, the design, the experience. I just want to shoot things. Again, the lawful good character <laughs> saying, I just want to shoot things. I, you know, I thought about that. I knew you'd have something to say about that. I just want to point out that, like, jumping on Goomba's heads is like a gateway drug to first-person shooters. <laughs> that has been the trajectory of my life. Are you sure it didn't start the first time that you walk a dot? That you waka 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 over a power dot, and then you realize the ghosts are afraid of you? It's a reverse horror story! Not really. I think I'm too young for that. I think the the first Words the first game said. that I remember playing is actually Adventure. You know, the Atari game with the little dot. Yeah, that's the mm -hmm. first game I ever rem mm -hmm. remember. I'm pretty sure I played Mario Brothers before Super Mario Brothers. So to be more accurate, it was banging my head on bricks. Anyway. Yeah. It was a fun game. I think Remedy's doing some cool stuff. I like Alan Wake. I recommended that. I like Quantum Break. I recommended that. Tessa is on record about Control, which is also in the universe. I look forward to playing that. I think Remedy's doing but good stuff. But how does she feel about Alt and Delete? What? How does she feel about Alt and Delete? She has not played them yet. Is that correct? Is that, are those the expansions? Oh, I see. All right. Well, no. No. fine. Fine. I'm jerk. Fine. All right, are we good? Did we do an episode? We 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 are good. We did an episode. We actually did an episode. We did a full episode. I think it's a good episode. It's I think I think it was solid actually. I I think it's fun and I think we're This is this is our birthday present to you. What are we doing next week? Tune in next week for our MCU 2021 roundup. We'll be talking WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and Black Widow. In the meantime, Andy, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at Andy Noted. Tessa? 
You said that so accusingly. Tessa! You can find me on Twitter at Swayla Tessa. Swayla is spelled S-W-E-H-L-A. Find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Sam underscore Morris 9. Send us your thoughts about the monkeys we talked about today, what pop culture you've crossed off your list lately, what you'd like for us to talk about on future episodes, or anything else that comes to mind. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at monkeybacklog. Email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Our theme song is Hotshot by Scott Holmes and can be found on scottholmesmusic.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get that monkey off your back.